Welcome to the Born and Raised Audio Experience. Presented by Onyx. All right, guys, welcome back to the Born and Raised Audio Experience uh, brought to you by Onyx Hunt. And today we have a special podcast, super special guest. We come up here, we need to do it more, honestly, because yeah, we only seem like not... we come up here once a year to get our bows built by uh, Wayne Endicott himself. He owns the bow rack, probably the, I would say, probably one of the biggest archery shops in the country. Oh, I don't know about that. But in the world, the you're right. In the world. In the world. That would okay. be humble. In the world. The stats. Yeah. In the world. Yeah. But um, anyway, uh, so, just so good to see you, Wayne. We did a calling seminar actually at your house here just a couple weeks ago, and uh, so yeah, that was fun. We've got to hang out a little bit lately. But uh, I got Cody here, and I have also Noah with us too on this podcast. So we wanted to talk about and jump into mule deer in Oregon. Mm-hmm. Let's keep it clean, Wayne. Let's keep it clean, okay? <laughs> yeah. But as far as uh, you, you, you propose, you propose some initiative stuff uh, to the board, and and you've had some blowback. Talk to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Let me. I'll give you. Bit. I'll give you some. Give history. me the rundown. Yeah, I'll give you the history. So back in 2010, Mike Morris and I, you know, um, we kind of saw the writing on the wall, you know, and uh, on mule deer. You know, we were losing. We're losing mule deer. I mean, we're below management objective. We've been below management objective for a lot of years. And in, in 2010, we came up with a proposal, really simple proposal. It's kind of weapon rotation, and we called it the Core Mule Deer Recovery Plan because it went through the center of the state. It took in Polina, Silvies, and Beulah at that time. And um, what it was was simply, you know, the first year, like, it would cut down to a seven-day season. It would be a new preference point system. You'd have mm. to buy $50 to buy a preference point. You could buy a point for all three units. You know, fifty dollars, so you hundred and fifty bucks you could have a preference point for each unit. So it was a choice of weapon. Interesting. So it was a choice of weapon and choice of unit. Yeah. So what but but this but it was a weapon rotation. So let's say let's say in this let's say that we would implement this in two thousand nineteen. Mm-hmm. So in two thousand nineteen, all three of those units would have had a seven day season for archery only. That would have been the weapon. Wow. Yeah. Seven days. And we were going to cut the numbers down, whether it was rifle, muzzleloader, or, 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 or archery. You know, whatever the weapon was, it gets cut down in numbers to about 120 tags. Oh, wow. Yeah. Steep cuts. Steep. I mean, and you ask why. Well, we're steeply below MOs today. And when we proposed this back in 2010, we were well below MOs, and then we've dropped MOs to meet MOs. So management objectives are extremely low today. And just to give okay. you an example how bad it is, the north side unit's 81% below management objective for mule deer. It's a lot. That's a lot. And that was a, a lower tier mm-hmm. from what the original was in 2002. Oh, yeah. And, and are they still allocating a boatload of tags still for it? Oh, yeah. And yeah. then Dominic Alisle, he did a bunch of research. I think seven units. He, he researched seven units that, are, that we're, we're actually issuing three rifle tags for every buck that we estimate is in the unit. Okay. So for every standing buck, buck we issue three. We tags. have three tags, yeah. and 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 we're we're below management objective. So how are we how are we managing mule deer? Why are we doing this? So anyway, getting back to my proposal. So one year, you know, 2019. Let's say we initiated this. 
So it would be archery. Seven-day season, boom, that's it. Gosh. And we had some youth tags thrown in for November, you know, just a few so, of them yeah. for each unit. Yeah. And then, so let's go to 2020. We go back to the Pliny unit. Pliny unit is going to have a muzzleloader tags, 120 of them, seven-day hunt, same thing in 2020. Now we go to 2021, so we got 120 tags, and your rifle guys get to jump in there. You know, so by estimate... You know, with with Polina alone, let's just let's just look at this. So we killed two hundred and forty one bucks in Polina. Okay. That was twenty twenty one. That was the harvest statistic. That was between archery and and rifle combined. That was for the season. Correct. Okay. So in a three year period, with this proposal, because archery is not going to be a high harvest. I mean, we're going to kill a couple deer, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. it would yeah. seem like it. And, and it's what's a, your dates like that? The dates are going to be they they were they were proposed to be in the middle of of uh, October. Oh, okay. okay. So, so middle so of October, not the beginning of October, the middle of October. Middle of October. So you catch a little bit of rut stuff. A little pre rut stuff. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But you know, so so let's say this was proposed. You know, we would have this is how many you know deer we would you know replace on the landscape. You know, we would we would basically be putting if you figured out the harvest and everything you would be putting 600 deer on the land 600 bucks on the landscape you know in in that period of time now you might ask okay why do we need bucks okay you can go to auburn deer study and you can you can you can google every deer study auburn university does massive amounts of stuff on and it's a whitetail granted it's whitetail but they're ungulates cerbits i mean so they 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 are you know, in the studying, yeah, the basic ballpark. And there is all kinds of studies that prove that fawning rates are directly tied to the amount of adult sires you have on the landscape, right? Mm-hmm. And we think of, you know, a lot of guys think, you know, we're not biologists, right? So we think in human terms. So you, when you look at deer, you're thinking, okay, well, they get bred, right? Well, they're going to have a fawn, right? Well, how, well, twins just happen, right? And, and triplets just happen. That's not true. It's not true with deer. What happens is that doe will come into cycle. She'll be bred. She, she takes. She's got a fawn. She'll come in a lot of times if they're healthy and the environment's good, they'll come into cycle again. Well, if you have a very, you know, low, which we manage in Oregon, 10 bucks per 100 does. In some units, we don't have 10 bucks per 100 does. In fact, you remember when Steve and Ty hunted Beulah? Yeah. So, you know, I beat them up on that. I mean, I made Stubblefield and and Howard both tell me about that hunt from beginning to end. Oh, man. And you remember the story. They were on 150 deer out there on the flats by the Mount Here River. Yeah. And there was a fork and horn and a three point. That's and it's it. middle yeah. of November. Yeah. And, doze, and that was it. Does everywhere. And they said by day three, you know, the fork and horn, it looks like he's dead. And the three point standing in one spot with his tongue hanging out. And, and honestly, can... by Auburn Deer Study, they said one healthy sire can service, you know, 20 to 25 does. That's it. That's it. That's so if it. you don't so if there's have a hundred does, right? That's and a quarter can, of them getting and, bred. And if you want to do your own studies, and I, I've looked at this, you know, with you know the adult deer harvest. So adult deer harvest on Beulah, Silvies, and Polina. If you look at the adult deer harvest, we only have a ten percent adult rate of harvest in most all the units. So if you go into if you go into winter with that, if you're looking at that harvest rate and you look at immature bucks 
harvest versus mature bucks, if you go into winter and you have less than a 10% or slightly less than a 10%, you've got basically two adult bucks per 100 does. I mean, you can, you can shuffle the math there, wow. but you're not going to get the does bred. So then you have attrition. So then we wonder why we're losing mule deer population. One, we don't have successful fawning because we don't have enough bucks on this landscape to service the does. That's a biggie. You know, see, and so your rate of twins and triplets is very low because one buck, he's going to just try to get it done, right? Yeah. And so every doe can just have one. But survival rates, if she has triplets or if she has twins, she may lose one to coyotes. She may lose yeah. two to coyotes, you know, but she's actually going to have a successful fawn. She has one fawn. She loses them coyotes. You, you have attrition. Yeah. And then if you have barren does on the landscape because you don't have enough bucks, then you have attrition there. So, so yeah, that's, that's basically how it runs down on why we need 600 more bucks on the landscape. And we have to make deep cuts. And, you know, I've been been up in Oregon Fish and Wildlife and following the commission and being participating in meetings for over 30 years. And I have sat there 30 years ago, and every year, you know, I have listened to you know, well, we have drought conditions. So the fawns... Do they point out a habitat? It's all habitat. So that's, oh, we're having drought conditions. So the fawns don't have the correct, you know, nutrition in the milk. And so we don't have, you know, we don't have mule deer because of it. You know, it's basically we're blaming on drought. This is way before climate change ever came about. And, and now it's a big turnkey deal. It's, it's just a talking point. I'm sorry, it's a talking point. Because I ask every one of the biologists, I go, what about the steens? What about the steens? You don't have poaching. You know, very little. If very, any. very little, very little I would assume. You, 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 you don't have nutritional problems. It's an island in the middle of the Oregon desert that goes up to 10,000 feet. And you've got the finest protein feed there. The best. Yeah. You know, because every farmer that is there has incredible cattle, you know, every yeah. year. I mean, yeah. highest protein feed there is. Gotcha. You, you know, your antelope are healthy. Your sheep are healthy, you know, nutrition-wise. You know, wild horses are a problem. <laughs> And they're not starving to death, you know. So why is the mule deer over here so inefficient? And, and why is the steens? Our harvest statistic, this is 2021. This is shocking. Um, between archery and rifle, but in, the rifle was 350 tags. I don't know. Our, our archery guys, they didn't give a number. I didn't write it down. We killed 170 bucks in the steens. I mean, there was a day that they killed 170 bucks in the first hour of daylight. Right. You know, or maybe 270 bucks. I mean, I've hunted the steens since I was a little kid. And I mean, I, I can remember like a caribou migration in the Kiger Gorge. I mean, you, right. I would see anywhere from 700 to 1,000 deer in the first hour of daylight no in the kidding. Kiger Gorge. Yeah. When Cam, when Cam Haynes and, and Roy and, and Dwayne Levitt and Jeff Brooks and when we were all in there hunting as kids, I mean, we could sit down on one rock on the west side of the Kiger and glass across in the evening an easy 75 bucks you know and we you could even start to count the does but we would we would glass up over 75 bucks in an evening make it hard to kill the yeah. one you want oh and we were great canyon cleaners believe me we yeah. couldn't we couldn't hunt up our car keys let alone kill anything we just shot a lot of arrows came home bought more went back and you cleaned know, we out a canyon terror. but we could drive all those deer you know, <laughs> we, we, we'd give them a week they'd all filter back in right, you know but right. now we could run them around we were great at herding deer i mean you know just awesome experience so i mean as a kid you know you're just oh, like yeah. you know we're all just in our early 20s and we're just in there just just having the time of our life even though we were killing so frustrating but well i think it even makes it more frustrating because you've seen it so right you've seen so i'm going to be honest with you I, you know what i mean i was there last year yeah i saw on the same hillside where we saw 75 bucks i saw not a deer not no one deer. deer no deer not deer 
Um, hiking in, we jumped a little tiny fork and horn. Okay. The fourth day we were in there, I saw one doe cross in the bottom, down yep. about three miles down. That was it. That was it. That was it for deer. That's all we saw. And I mean, we're in trouble. I mean, we're in serious, steep, deep trouble. You know. So, so where, yeah. I mean, where do you go from here? What like is there a possibility of ODF and W making some changes in that? Do you see? I think they're for. I, I think we're at a point now that we have to. Yeah. You know, it's it's, it's there's no. We have to, but will it happen? You know, we have to make steep cuts. I mean, it's going to hurt. So it's sacrifice. yeah, it's going to definitely. It's going to hurt. But you know, I wish and. I just hate to say this, but, you know, I talked to both watershed managers. You know, Corey Heath, I got a lot of respect for Corey, longtime ODF&W biologist. He's now, you know, the Central Oregon watershed manager for Oregon Fish and Wildlife. Okay. And, and Corey's a longtime mule deer guy. I mean, he knows mule deer inside and out. Now, he's got a lot of challenges, you know, because I, I asked him, he go, I go, what, what's your biggest challenge? And he's like, People. He, you know, and I, I have to agree I with him. Totally in his area, that. I mean, it's blowing up. Central Oregon's blowing up. I mean, you've got the potential to have Norris bucks in the Polina unit. That's where he lived. Right. I mean, that yeah. buck is world famous. You know, the gene pool's there. You know, there's always been those lava beds out there, you know, by China Hat. There's a giant roadless area there. You have the potential to have tremendous, you know, mule deer populations there. But we've got, you know, he said, where I've got... You know, one shedhorn hunter, he goes, I've got eight mountain bikers and I've got, you know, I've got three people that are hiking and I've got, you know, some hang gliders that are jumping off a pine mountain. And he goes, mm. it's just total disturbance all the time. And he goes, then we've got poaching because we've got a massive amount of people. You know, we're turning into, a, you know, just a giant big city mm. over there, you know. And so mule deer have just huge obstacles and all kinds of traffic problems. You know, yeah. but we still have mule deer there, right? You know, so we still have mule deer in Central Oregon, even with Highway 97, even with the poaching, even with all we have. So he's got a lot, a lot of different challenges, you know, than, you know, the east, the, the far eastern Oregon uh, corner, uh, Phil Melbourne. He is the, you know, I think Beulah, he takes on all of eastern Oregon oh. and he's the watershed manager for okay. over there. And I spoke with him and there again, we go back to nutrition which I just don't see that as an issue. You know, I've had a bunch of friends that drew uh, late season Beulah in the last few years, you know, and in fact, Erica Richardson, you might, Brian, my hunting partner, you know, okay. Brian, yep. his yep. wife, she yep. killed a 178 inch buck in there in that oh. late season hunt. But, you know, talking to Brian and then Nick Boyles had it last year. And I mean, dedicated a bunch of his hunt just to try to take one deer that he saw that was just a giant buck. But I asked them both, you know, what do you figure, you know, your adult rate, you know, was, you know, seeing one adult buck, you know, per the per does dose. you saw. And, you know, Brian thought it was anywhere from 100 to 120, and Nick thought it was 120 to 150, you know, for a good adult buck, a good breeding buck, you know, per doze. And there's massive amounts of does in there, but they just didn't see the bucks. Now, granted, both, both hunters didn't have weather, you know, but at the yeah. same time, it's in the middle of the rut. I mean, right. you should be yeah, seeing those adult deer. Regardless. So to answer your, that's a long ways around to answer your question, but, well, you know, what are we going to do? We have to make steep cuts. And that's where my mule deer, you know, recovery plan came in because Beulah has a seed crop. It's got all kinds of different ages. It's always been a deer, you know, Factory, producer. Yeah. You know, uh, Sylvie's is a deer producer. There again, all kinds of different age, you know, yeah. ages of burns, you know, creates a lot of habitat. And Polina is just classic and Polina needs help. And I would add the steens to it now because we got to do something with the steens. I mean, we really do, 
you know, have to do something with the Steens. I mean, we're going to lose it. It's always been just our mega go-to unit, you know, for deer, and we don't have any deer. It's crazy because I've talked to a lot of, you know, people that were are in their 50s and, and older, my dad being one of them, and, and he's hunted the Steens before yeah. back in the day, and you talk to everybody like, man, it was like the the Steens, you know, oh, yeah. like this special, special oh, place, gosh. you know, and to where it's gotten now, like, it's pretty pretty frustrating, I would say. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and I hate to say just because, you know, it's an outsider's, you know, we actually had five meetings on it. Uh, and Eric Erickson shared the meeting, you know, Dwayne Jackson was involved with it. Corey Heath was involved with it. You know, there was uh, Tom Thornton was involved with it. We actually had quite a few meetings on it. And it, it, honestly, I was pretty encouraged that Oregon Fish and Wildlife was actually considering it. Right. And see, we thought that it would produce in today's time, Without ever selling one deer tag, it would it would probably add you know if you could buy preference points at fifty dollars a piece for all so three the years. revenue difference. Yeah, and then concern, we were right? we were trying to open up a ten to fifteen percent out of state window of participation because you have to pay for it, right? Mm-hmm. If we're going to make cuts, we have to pay for the cuts. Yeah. In today's time, I think that they would sell conservatively three point five million dollars worth of you know preference points without ever selling one tag or killing one deer if they opened it up to points. You know, because, you know, a lot of guys are just going to buy yeah. points for the first three or four years. You want it to turn into something, you know, that's True. worth worth that, that dream hunt. But also, what the key is with these, because it's a core meal deer, every one of those units connects, totally connects 18 units. And with the Steens involved, it, can, it connects over 24. And so, like any of those, if you add, well, like Beulah, for example, I think it was over the potential, you know, because we kill 725 bucks in Beulah. That's archery and rifle combined. With a program in a three-year wow. potential, we would have a potential of 18, having 1,800 bucks added to the landscape in Beulah. Those bucks right. are going to peel out of there. So, you know, during the rut, they're going to go a different direction. So yeah. all the surrounding units are going to benefit. benefit. So you're going to have successful fawning. You know, you know, breeding season's going to be, you know, something it's never been. You know, every doe's going to be bred two or three times. We're going to have fawning like we've never had. And, you know, when I talk to Phil Milborn, he's like, well, he goes, we can put bucks on the landscape. He goes, I don't really see that's how, how that's going to benefit us. And I was just like, sir, I don't know how it cannot. You know, I just, you know, as, as just me, as just a layperson, basically, right? I, I am just a laborer in the field that loves and has a passion for mule deer. I, I saw what it was. You know, everybody yeah. everybody hates that term, you know, back bit. in the day, yeah. right? Everybody hates that bloody term. But, you know, you got to get past it. I saw that. I saw what it was, and I see what it is today, and it grieves me. I'm going to throw this out there. So, um, oh, gosh, George Trent. He is our OSP officer okay. for for Burns area, right? Mm-hmm. Very passionate man about mule deer. Him and I have talked several times, and you know he he threw it at me. You know he's like, look, you know because he kind of knows you know my my role and everything you yeah. know with stakeholder groups and stuff. And he goes, look, he goes, if we don't do something, he goes, I'm fully convinced within six to ten years there's not going to be any deer. In, in 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 southeast Oregon, if not, you know, in the Steens, it's going to be totally void of deer. And and not to say that we don't have, you know, when you look at everybody's and what I'm leaving out here and what I've left out so far is predators. I mean, right. key key yeah. let, let's, key element key element, right? Yeah. So I'm a realist. I formed Oregon Outdoor Council mm-hmm. for the sole purpose of trying to play offense on predators. Right. We've made a lot of effort. I mean. 
people like Stan Steele and Jared Broadfoot and Dominic Lyle and his wife and oh my gosh, the efforts just that they put in to try to make a difference you know, with this. And we've made, we've had bills right up to the legislature attached to the budget bill and it got killed by the very people that were helping us promote it would kill it. You know, house, you know, agriculture chair, boom, you're in, it's going to, it's going to go to the governor's office. And what we were pushing was for the counties to be able to vote independently, whether they could reinstate hound hunting for lions in their county because of loss of revenue, right? And game management. Nope. Get killed. Every effort's been killed. So I'm a realist. I, I've come to the point to where, okay, we're down to one thing we can put our finger on, and that's harvest. Because we have bald eagles that do, in southeast Oregon, the desert, they take a tremendous amount of fawns, yeah. both antelope and, and yeah, mule deer. Eagle, yeah. Yep. And, and then you've got coyotes, you know, you got, and, and, and I know there's a certain individual that's in leadership in Oregon Fish and Wildlife doesn't like to hear me say this, but I'm sorry, we have a coyote to the acre in Southeast Oregon. How do you have any fawn survival? I mean, Wyatt Seabright was over scouting two years ago, and I think he had a screwed video on his phone of coyotes killing antelope fawns on his, on, on his video, you know. But, you know, how do we get any fawn survival with that level of predators? And then lions, I mean, they're considering doing something, and I, I don't know. I've been out of the loop. I just hear it kind of on 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 the back burner. But they are considering Heart, something. Heart Mountain. Yeah, you know, yeah, they're considering doing something about lions on Heart Mountain because they're losing. They lost the sheep. They closed the season. We don't have a season down there now because I don't even know if there's any sheep left, honestly. And so you know, sad. deer population is just so low on Heart Mountain. When I was a kid there, again, the good old days, I can tell Isn't you that? stories you wouldn't even believe on Heart Mountain. Heart Mountain. Yeah. yeah, and I drew the tag twice. It was a draw back when there was no draws. It was a draw for archery right, right. in the '80s, and it was it was unbelievable. I mean, the bucks we saw, but you know. And then, you know, the Steens is full of lions, full of lions. That's what I've, you know, and then you everybody got Bob, that goes over there, it seems like they see a cat. Yeah, yeah. And then you got bobcats on top of it. Bobcats. Are you know, so thing. now you got challenges. And, and so where do we put our finger? What do we, what can we put our finger on? Well, us as conservationists, I mean, we're the, right, every sportsman, we're number one in the line of conservationists, right? So we have to take a step. You know, and unless the general public and everybody's probably listening to this like, well, how, what do I do? Well, how do I get involved? Well, Oregon Fish and Wildlife needs letters that says that, look, we need a comprehensive plan that's going to take deep cuts. They're going to be precise. And then we need pilot programs to find out what's works. You can't go into the Eastern Oregon and take the whole state and just cut everything. No. Right. And yeah. just, we're going to lose everything. Or some people are promoting closures. And people that are friends of mine that are in this circle are promoting closures. They're lobbying for closures, full closures. We close it, we're done. It'll never come back. So yeah. we need to be smart about it. The smart thing to do is to play the revenue game so we have money to put into conservation and study it. And then we need pilot programs. You know, that's a smart thing to do is to jump off with a pilot program and at least take three or four units like my proposal and then come up with opportunity. Yeah. I mean, why, you know, if we're putting, you know, set, like the Beulah, if we could put 1800 bucks in three years on the landscape, and why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we give that a shot? Why wouldn't we give fawning a chance and see if we could have 100% successful fawning on twins and triplets? You know, and, you know, this year, if we would have did that in 19, look at this year. We have the wettest year in history. We have the most nutrition in history we've ever had on landscape. Yeah. You know, and we had the easy winter. 
on top of that. So if, if, a, if a female was coming in and she had three fawns, I mean, we could have had just a bumper crop of deer this year if we would have implemented that, right? right, right. And then yeah. if we implemented it, we could, have, we could have serviced four units around it. So yeah, we're going to have to take cuts because honestly, I mean, all of us understand the state we live in. I mean, what are we going to do about predators, right? Yeah, that's, right. The hunters are the best conservation, honestly. I mean, right. you know, you, yeah. you get this scenario looked is, at. It, like, like you've, you've fought against the predator side of it and using the tool to actually manage that population. It's, it'll get voted down. Like, it, yeah. there's just no way in the state that... Yeah. Well, you know, everybody knows it was in the paper and everything. Kurt Melcher, he's, you know, I think this was three years ago. He's, well, we qualify for delisting of wolves. And Kate Brown comes out and says, governor says, nope, we're not. You know, so where that that's our environmental that, and, and see, you know, conservation wise, we suffer. We suffer because of the state of the government we're in. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just honestly, I mean, it's we true. do, you know, um, the whole state of the western half of the United States with wolves. I mean, wolves were extinct. We, you know, and that's a whole the whole wolf thing is just a deep, deep, dark subject. And we don't have time to get into it. Right, so I'm going right, to leave right. it alone. But I've got strong opinions on it and yeah. how it was formed and everything. And, you know, the violations that were that were made and where we're at today with it. And the loss of revenue just on cattle ranching and sheep ranching mm. and livestock alone is just staggering. Yeah. You yeah. know, and then, you know, loss of revenue, especially in Idaho's case. You know, yeah. I think Idaho's getting, their, getting a handle on it. And yeah. I think they're going to manage yeah. your wolves wisely from here on out. Because you can get a wolf tag for half of nothing and kill as many as you want. Yeah, well, I, I, I don't know. I, I haven't looked into it, but I know Idaho's getting a handle on it. They're getting they're better at it because they're letting it up wide open. Right, you know, right. You know, they're, you know, but and I, and look at Idaho. It's Oregon a go-to state. Second year in a row, I haven't been able to get a tag. Yeah. I, had some, I had a friend yeah. of mine stand at a point yeah. of sale, and the unit I wanted still sold out yeah. within minutes. There's yeah. a reason for that. Why? Because they're managing Because they're well. managing it. Yeah. 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 Everybody wants to go to Idaho, right? That's, when you look at managed states, and I've talked to a lot of people about this, Idaho's right at the top of like oh, yeah. well-managed. Idaho, of Wyoming. The way they do their zones yeah. for opportunity. Yeah. They don't do the whole statewide. They do a really good job. Yeah. Idaho, Wyoming, Wyoming's you know, good. New Mexico, New Mexico's Arizona. Really good. I mean, you can just go on and on. And they, they've been smart with their management, you know. And, and granted, I think some of those states could definitely offer more opportunity. You know, and, and we just we just see this year, you know, as as everything going into a giant loss of opportunity. And, you know, we're going to face that more and more. And, you know, I understand where that's coming from. You yeah. know, a lot of people come in and say, why are they doing this? Why are they doing this? And, you know, I You're understand the elk, the elk, the elk yeah. draws. I mean, because two years ago we did the deer draws. Yeah. You know, so all archery, you know, in east yeah. east of the Cascades went into a deer draw. Now, you know, we lost what fifteen, sixteen units to a draw. You know, this year, you know, eagle caps went into a zone for for elk. Yeah. You know, for archery. But but honestly, if we run into management problems in the future because of over predatorization, let's say wolves. You know, because I've been Oregon Fish and Wildlife. I've watched, you know, the last when they had the wolf plan when it when it passed last. I mean, I listened to all the testimonies. I mean, it's painful, but you know, a lot of the testimonies are all the same. And it doesn't matter if you have, you know, five hundred wolves in the state, if you have seven hundred wolves in the state, if you have twenty seven hundred wolves or even five thousand wolves, the argument's never gonna change on that side of the fence. Mm. It's never gonna change, right? So, Correct. you know, the wolf proponents, they don't want recreation on, you know, wolf habitat. They don't want hiking, camping, fishing, hunting. They don't want any recreation in the outdoors where there's wolf habitat. So it's not going to change. That's and it bad. doesn't matter how many wolves you have. 
you know, it's not going to change. I mean, look at Yellowstone. I mean, it's not going to change. There's not going to be any change, period. You know, and so when the time comes, if we need to make steep cuts on rifle, we have to have archery into a draw system so we can cut that as equally. Yeah. You know, so that's why that came in. You know, and that's my take on it because I don't know how many times in that process I asked, like, well, you know, we're, we're 113% of management objective on elk, opposite of deer. You know, we've got elk. Oh, well, we, you know, we have bull cow ratio problems. Well, we do one fly over a year. A lot of times in the spring when the big bulls have already shed their horns, we don't even, you know, honestly. Our counts are way off. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we don't, you know, we don't have money. We do observation counts too. There you go. I don't even know how that works. It's never been really outlined, you know. <laughs> right. And so I really am sketchy on counts, you know. But we do have a lot of elk. I mean, elk are survivors. Elk can, yeah. you know, they protect their calves a little bit more. You know, it's a different deal. They come into herds. You know, they're herd animal where deer are independent. Yeah. You know, deer aren't a herd animal. They don't come together in nursery herds like elk do, you know. They warn predators, you know, they might catch a calf, but, you know, the rest of the calves are all running. The cows protect them different. I mean, it's a whole different dynamic on the animal and their, and their behaviors. Mm. So, you know, elk can live anywhere. I mean, elk can live in your backyard and elk can live in southeastern Oregon in the worst desert there is. I mean, elk are yeah. just complete survivors. So, you know, they, uh, they do well and they can stomp a coyote where a mule deer doe doesn't have much of a luck with coyotes. Coyote no. can kill the fawn you know, pretty quickly. But anyway, two totally different animals. But, you know, I asked that question over and over, you know, and never in, and actually being involved with the meetings outside of the bull cow ratio thing, I, I never really got clear consensus because obviously we're issuing more cow tags for damage hunts than ever before. And then we have over the counter damage tags right. yeah. that are purchased 4,000 of them. And that was implemented at the same time, the same year that this whole process started to limit, you know, archery into a draw. So it's just like, you know, where's the balance scales here? So, you know, but, you know, given, you know, we're going to lose opportunity and elk opportunities in the West. I mean, all of us, some of the most exciting times is, you know, New Mexico draws come out, you know, Nevada draws <laughs> come out, Utah draws come out, Arizona. Wyoming, everybody's like, yeah. oh, dude, I oh, drew yeah. Wyoming. Yes! You know, Wyoming's general season could rival our best draw hunts. You know why? I, I would stand up and I totally agree. With yeah. That. You don't talk to a lot of people out of state. They're like, I drew Oregon. You, yeah. don't, you just don't hear it very yeah. often, do you? Yeah. I mean, there was there was some guys that like, right. well, I drew a tag that was always been a general season forever. Right. Yeah, there <laughs> you I go. But I drew a tag. I drew a tag. Yeah. I drew a tag. You're not even excited about yeah. it. Yeah. You're not I mean, we still got our good so, units. You know, you got yeah. Walla Walla. You got Eric drew Walla Walla. You know, we've Matt got, Emily. We've got their th- top three, right? Right? Yeah. yeah. Maybe four. Yeah. Yeah. Sled Springs is good. Sled Springs is good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I and Chess Nimbus has got a lot of elk. Okay. Know? Yeah. But then yeah. after that, it's kind of really fallen. Yeah. I mean, steak's, steak's good. It's just gonna it's just gonna eat you for lunch. Just a just a brutal, it's gonna swallow a brutal yeah. place. Yeah. Ir- irresponsible if you're out there in the deep wilderness without pack string. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know. So just just yeah. you know, it's gonna require you know a lot of effort. But you know, there's there's always there's always those corners in Oregon that are fun. You know, Ucaps is fun. Yeah. You know, lots of lots of good stuff. Desolation, Ukiah, Hepner, Starkey, all fun. You know, we've got elk. You know, so some great units, and they'll probably yeah. improve in the future with the draws, and especially you know they went to five percent on the out of staters. So Correct. I'll be curious to see how all that shakes. Sure, out. sure, because and I it's mean, just going to take time, right? You know, and and you know honestly, we love to go out of state. You know, so you know I don't have an unwelcoming feeling towards you know out of staters, but owning an archery shop, I hear it. You know, guys are like dude, there's 
there's 50 guys in a camp and they're all from here and here and here, right? Oh, really? Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 You know, no, and, and I, that, I, yeah, I saw a place out, out of John Day and there was, there's 25 camp spots, 22 California plates in those. Yeah. Really? You know, yeah, but that's their opportunity, right? Yeah, sure. yeah and it is. Because they and just like when we go out of state, I mean, you yeah. hunt till you bleed, yeah. right? Because yeah. you spent the money on the fuel, you spent the money on the tag, yeah. you're away from home, you know, it's not like you can drive, you know, four hours and go home, you know, you're you're 18 to 22 you're hours and you're here and you're ready to do business, you yeah. know, and they're no different. And, you you no. know, granted, you, you want, we want everybody to have opportunity. That's what we want. That's why we push so hard for management. I wish that we were a go-to state, right? you know. I wish that Oregon just say, could say, hey, we got 10% out-of-state participation. You know, welcome. You know, I remember Governor Richardson, you know, he was the guy that ran when Obama was running for president. He was the governor of New Mexico. And he put out a whole inside page in the, in the, in the New Mexico synopsis that year. And it was impressive to read. He goes, come to New Mexico. He goes, we have the finest game management in all of the lower 48. We have the most game species with Ibex and Oregon. I mean, he went on and on. And I mean, rightfully so. He bragged up New Mexico yeah. and then, you know, just made your mouth water. You know, yeah. and in fact, that year I put in for Ibex, and of course, it was back when you had a pretty good shot at drawing, you yeah. know, the midwinter Ibex archery tag. Yeah. And of course, everybody I know that put in for it drew it. I never drew it. Except I still haven't drawn it. Put in this year, didn't draw it. But, you know, they got crazy opportunity in New Mexico. Yeah. Crazy. You know, and, and honestly, besides Albuquerque and, and a couple other little, you know, population areas, there's really nobody, no giant yeah, population areas, and yeah. not a lot of people live yeah. there. So, what a state, you know, and what a picture of game management, and, you know, what a go to state. And I wish, I wish Oregon could have been like that. And honestly, and for those of you that weren't familiar with Measure 18 back in the day, 96, if, right? 1994. If we would not have lost Measure 18, we only we lost it by less than two percent of the very vote. Very small. Very small. You know, Multnomah, Clackamas, and yep. Lane County. You know, we lost. So, but we lost it by a very small margin. If we would have never lost that, and we still had bear baiting and dog hunting for bears and cougars today, if we still had that in this state, in the state of Oregon, totally, different. we would have we would have an overpopulation of elk to deal with which would be a good thing. Yes. We could offer opportunity like nobody's business. And we would have, I believe, a, a great blacktail population because blacktails seem to survive. They're a survivor. They seem to have you know survival techniques that other deer just don't have mm -hmm. to survive with cougar and all the predators and everything. But mule deer, I believe we would have a healthy mule deer population. You know, be curious to see the changes, like if that wouldn't happen. If it wouldn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. So, so for a listener listening to this, what, what would you encourage them to do? So number them? one, you know, it's super easy to jump onto Oregon Fish and Wildlife's commission. And if you want to push for my core meal deer management plan, you know, chair, chair, Mary Wall, chair of the commission, okay. Commissioner Wall, she has my, my, my plan. And so does uh, Bob Spellbrink. He's do you got have it anywhere online? Wait, like, do you have it anywhere um, where people can look at it? You know, I don't. We need to update it. This is 2016 update that I've got right here. Gotcha. And it's a comprehensive plan. I mean, it would, you know, it's yeah. it's it's lengthy, but it's simple. It's simple, but it's lengthy. But you could put support in for, you know, for that core meal deer recovery plan, you know, submitted by, you know, Wayne Inicott. They And, and I'm going to, I'm going to, when the commission meeting comes around, I, I believe we have, it's always in September, so it's hard for me to make. But I think they changed the dates this year. I have to look at it again. But just writing to the commission and, and voicing concern about mule deer in the state of Oregon 
you know, is, is super crucial. I mean, and they will me, look at it. Oh, they will look at and, it. Okay. They, they it goes ahead. into public record and they print out, you know, they print them all out. They go in a packet so everybody can read it. It becomes public record. It becomes public okay. correspondence. And every time I go up to the commission meetings, you know, I grab a packet and I, I read through every single letter. And I mean, there's everything in there. Yeah. There's both sides of the fence, yeah. but it's always good to, you know, to read, you know, both sides of the fence. See, I mean, the hardest part is like hunters by nature, are pretty quiet, pretty secretive. They're, they're, they're not one to put all this out there so I, mm-hmm. I mean I think the challenge is just like if your listener takes some time and you know if you want to make the effort there's opportunity to you can right. have your voice heard You're thinking oh, yeah. about my son daughter what exactly what it's going to be like because seeing what my dad experienced and you know back yeah. when Kino was over the counter like, oh exactly you know, uh, you know like all these opportunities that now I have 22 deer points in Oregon, and I'm like, I don't know what to do with it because, you know. <laughs> did you, you point savered, right? I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah. So I, I, I'm older than you are, but it's impressive you have 22. I think I'm sitting on 24 or 25 right now, and yeah. I, I point savered. It's like my Again. first thing, I roll down point saver. Yeah, because, I mean, where do I go with it? Exactly. I mean, yeah. you've got Metolius, you've got Beulah, you know, for archery, and, you know, honestly, there was a time I tried to draw Metolius. I mean, oh, my gosh, it was a mecca for a while. And yeah. You know, just just with the pressures it's had that we don't need to go into. There's a lot of pressures coming on Metolius. You know, honestly, I don't know if we, you know, we can really afford to be doing in Metolius what we're doing. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's sad. I know some good hunters that have drawn it in the last few years. I mean, you know, Anthony Matthews, he's our local OSP officer here. Good hunter. Anthony gets it done. He's hardcore. Him and his dad both had it. And Anthony killed a buck, but it was... It was not a lucrative experience for him. I mean, really? it, was, it was hard fought. But, you know, just five years before that, you know, Chris Phillips, um, yeah. there was there were several friends of his that had the tag. And, and, oh, my gosh, they killed great bucks, you yeah. know. And, you know, we're talking back early 2000, you know. Okay. You yeah. know, it was it was it was quite something. Yeah, you know? yeah. It was around when Jason, you know, had, you yeah, know he, my dad's had it twice. He yeah. saw it the, the first year, days. and then he drew it again on the random like three years later. So it was two thousand. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and it was amazing. Good stuff. Oh, yeah. Good stuff. But, yeah, I mean, so I would just say, like, to the listeners, get your voice be heard. Right. Spread to your buddies. You know, I mean, super easy. Go to Oregon Fish and Wildlife. Click on commission. You know, you can you can email them right there. Right there. And it goes to every one of them. And they, you know when the when the you know when the commission meetings come up, all that's printed, and you can go up and you can actually you know sign up for testimony, and we're back to public testimony. They had their first public meeting, and you can sign up for public testimony during the big game you know uh, regulation hearings, and you can sit down and whatever you've written on that you've been passionate about, you can you can you get three minutes. <laughs> oh really? Three yeah. minutes. Three minutes. minutes. It's yeah. a good thing we didn't have just three minutes, right? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean the cool thing is like just recently we had a. a the North Umpqua Hatchery deal go through uh-huh. and watched that whole thing on the commission. I sat and watched. Yeah, that. and it was super sad because the commission voted against the science, against public opinion, against staff recommendation. Mm-hmm. With that lawsuit got put in, overturned. They got those fish released, and it was basically because everyone came together and said, "Wait, wait, wait! No, this is not. This is not right. viable. This, what you guys are doing, is wrong." Mm-hmm. And, and it actually made a difference by everyone chiming in and, and having the opportunity. You know, even. Pre and post. Yeah, I watched that whole, you know, and, and, and fish, is com- fish, fish are complex. I mean, it's yeah. a complex problem. For sure. You know, just like game management. But, you know, there's there's bright spots with fish. I mean, yeah. we actually sometimes have fish. Yeah, but I think that <laughs> for me, like, it was encouraging to see that that actually, even though the initial side of it didn't go through, that it right. did get overturned. And it's like, okay, 
there is an opportunity to get your voice in and it did make a difference yeah. Yeah. if you did get involved, and and, so. and and honestly if anybody wants to go back and watch any of the you know you can it's all archived everything's all right. archived you yeah. know you can go back and watch all the testimony and the meetings and everything and it's amazing you know to see the knowledge that comes out of the fish side i watched that whole yeah. thing and it was just amazing some of the knowledge and people and they're passionate about you know fish they know the history they know what the problems are they know the problems we're facing in the future and and, and the right direction to go yeah. so you know it's just like this i mean we're passionate our feet are on the ground you know with with game management in oregon and i think i think sportsmen you know by far i mean we're not pulling a paycheck like you know you cut timber for a lot of years you know and and you know it's it's kind of a different job than maybe working in a mill i worked in a mill when i was young and and oh my gosh i mean you know if you gave us the choice of what to do you know, and this may be a bad example because I know there's a lot of great biologists, but, you know, if you gave us, you know, the example, you know, what we thought we should do as being staff members, you know, in a mill, you know, we might have been working three days a week and you know, lots of holidays. Right, and, right. You know, more breaks and everything. And I'm not saying that because, I mean, we have a great, you know, we have a great commission. We got good people on the commission right now. And we got, you know, great people in, in staff and everything. But honestly, we're kind of the owners, you know, we're the owners of the company. And, and it's up to us to kind of direct the commission yeah. and direct staff with our input. And that's why stakeholder groups like Oregon, Oregon Outdoor Council, Oregon Bow Hunters, tra- uh, Traditional Oregon, uh, Owners of Oregon, Oregon Hunters Association, all those stakeholder groups, Rocky Mountain Elk, all are important. They all have, you know, Mule Deer Foundation, you can just go on and on. All of them have a vital role to play and a voice. And we represent, you know, the general public, hopefully, you know, and if anybody's listening to this, you know, feel free to call me. I mean, I'm easy to get a hold of. I've always got time to talk. You know, if I don't have time to talk, I'll give you my cell number and I will have time to talk. You know, because I love talking management. And honestly, all our ideas that ever came of all the passionate guys that have sat, you know, on the other side of the counter and go, why aren't we doing this? Or why aren't we going this direction? Or why don't they do this? Mm. Or, you know, and there's all kinds of stuff. I mean, like, why in the world do we have draw tags for bear? Why don't we do, (laughs) why don't we do a quota system and let everybody hunt? And why in the world would you ever limit, you know, youth tags for spring bear? I mean, Unbelievable. Yeah. Every youth should be hunting every year. We got an overpopulation of bear in this state, gentlemen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you don't is, have to tell us. It's insane. <laughs> yeah. I mean, northeastern Oregon is insane. And there was hardly any bears killed up there because this year, because it was wintertime up until three days ago. Yeah. 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 You it's know, true, so, huh? you know, but we got bears running out our ears. Oh, man. And why in the world don't we have unlimited tags, at least for youth? Yeah. Good oh, great. 100%. And if you're worried about too many youth killing bears, then put put a bloody quota on it, yeah. you know, so... Because you got to check everyone in any, anyway. You do. You have to. Yeah, so stuff like that. That's That comes in from behind the counter, and I'm like, yeah, you are exactly right. You know, all these guys just sit down, and this is nonstop, you know, management plans, management plans. Why? Because they're passionate about it. They love the outdoors. You know, they want opportunity, you know, to participate in the outdoors and, and, and have a chance at harvest. You and know? that's just it. We'll, we're willing to sacrifice for the better of, Absolutely. of, the, of the animal. Well, I don't know if we have a choice right. on yeah. mule deer today. Right. You know, I right. ask all, I've asked biologists the same question for years. You know, I, I, I go, so what's, you know, what, do we have good antelope populations? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I go, well, so what, what does better with predators, uh, mule deer or antelope? Um, pretty even, you know, okay, well, what about disease? Oh, antelope or goats. I mean, deer catch everything. Okay. So deer are more vulnerable. It's about the equal on predators. 
Um, but we're good on antelope, right? We got lots of antelope. Yeah. Which one do we micromanage? Antelope. We got tons of them. Got a bunch of them. We got a bunch of them. I don't think we're lacking on anything on antelope. Yeah. Even yeah. though we could do more because like that Beatty sure. Butte study years ago, they aerialed the coyotes and I mean, Beatty's Butte blew up. There's thousands of antelope in there. I mean, in the 90s, that thing was unbelievable. It looked like it looked like caribou migrations every day out there. It was just crazy. <laughs> but, uh, but that said, I mean, we have an abundance, but we don't micromanage mule deer. I mean, we issue tags like we're just going to have thousands of them just spring out of the ground one year and just going to all come back and they haven't they're not there and they haven't for 30 years the winter of 92 yeah i mean all the old timers will tell you the winter of 92 annihilated and it hasn't bounced it's never bounced and we didn't even make we didn't make steep cuts after the winter of 92 and we lost like like all southeastern oregon there was six to eight feet of snow that came in october november and it didn't leave until april crushed them crushed them i mean i talked to ranchers down there um, in in the in the summer in '93 and '94, and, and they, they would just go, you know, do you have any deer? Well, we got a couple deer that hung around our haystack, and they're still here, but there's no deer. And one guy, um, we went out. It was in the Owyhee unit. We were out there shed horn hunting, and he said that they had to take a hay rake and pick up all the dead. They had to hay rake it early in the spring to get all the carcasses off the field. And he said that they made more money off the shed horns that year, cutting them off the the, the skull plates and selling them, you know, to antler buyers than they did actually off the hay crop. And that was back in in the winter of 92. So it was, it was staggering. We just lost all the deer, you know, and I, I was over, I took a trip over to Ironside that year in the middle of the winter. And I was talking to people and they go, the deer all dead. Deer, deer died you know, three weeks ago. They're all dead. And they would try to get down on the highways because they were plowing the highways and they'd try to find, they just get hit on the highways. I mean, you know, it was just terrible because right. there was, there was, you know, going out between Vail and Trenton, Ironside, yeah. there was, you know, yeah. four to six feet of snow, roadside snow. This is insane. I mean, Crazy. now the elk, you know, it's like the same ranchers are, how are the elk doing? Well, they're eating all the trees, but they're, you know, elk are fine. They're hardy. They hardy. They're wow. hardy. They survive and they can get above the deer to feed. Yeah. They eat everything, you know, yeah. so... Yeah, but that's a, that's a lot on mule deer. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, I, I think it's good information, and I yeah. and I think I think the biggest thing here is just the call to action a little bit as far as just yeah, it is. guys. I think it's really I, I think as hunters, like Cody was saying, we're a little bit quiet, we're a little bit reserved. We feel like that. Honestly, I mean, if you just ask me, yeah, I feel like Portland and the bigger cities, Eugene and everything, they have all the voice because we can't be heard. It's not right. the case. We have to do something. We got to do something. Got to do something. So yeah. It's uh, if not, our kids aren't going to have much. Yeah, no, no, I mean, no. Really. Noah, Noah's the young guy here, right? Yeah, yeah. or little Noah's Noah, not going to have yeah. much opportunity. Little Noah's yeah. going to be, and Noah's having kids. His, yeah, his, his yeah. favorite so. time is going to be that that doe tag that he got this year. <laughs> 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 Hoping for the best, right? Yeah. Uh, well, cool. Well, thank you, Wayne, so much for being on here with us. Yeah, and, thank, um, thanks for giving me a chance to have a voice. It's an honor to be be on a podcast with you guys. I love you guys. Oh, absolutely, yeah. love you too, and. Anyway, thanks for listening, guys.